times like this especially that we are reminded that there is hope only in Christ. Only in Christ. That's the only hope. I can't bring Robert back, but I can give you Christ, the only hope of salvation. I'm going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. There are Bibles in the pews if you want to follow along, or you can just listen. Matthew, chapter 11. And I'll begin reading at verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray together. Dear gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, we come before you today with hearts that are burdened and heavy. And we feel the weight of our mortality, that from dust we were taken and to dust we will return. And Lord, we look to you, O God, that you would be pleased to pour out your Spirit upon us and to work in our hearts, that you would anoint me from on high and that you would speak through me the words of our Lord Jesus and you would speak words of peace and of comfort and of hope found in Jesus Christ. And we pray, O Holy Spirit, that you would be pleased to work in the hearts of those in this room, and that if there are any that do not know you, who have not rested upon Christ alone for their salvation, that today would be the day that you would work in their hearts, that you would open their hearts to receive your word and your truth, and that this would be the day of their visitation, when they would know Christ the resurrection, and the life. Oh, work, Holy Spirit, and do that work that no one can do, that I cannot do, and bless your word to our hearts. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is a precious gift, isn't it? Life, to have life, is a tremendous blessing. Life can be so enjoyable. Life can be a lot of fun. We get to enjoy so many things in life, experience so many things. We get to have the experience of family, of having parents that love us and care for us, of having brothers and sisters to grow up with and play with of having cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents to spend time with. I have such wonderful memories of my grandparents who have all passed, but of their love for me and their kindness. 
We get to experience wonderful friendships in this life. I've made so many friends throughout my lifetime. I'm sure that you have as well. And some of them, even if I haven't talked to them in years, I could just pick up the phone. It would be like yesterday. We get to experience the blessing of going to school and getting an education. I know it's not always fun at the time, and for, especially for children at the time, they aren't enjoying it. But I am so glad that my parents made me go to school so that I could learn. There's something very satisfying about learning and having an education and being able to read so many things, study so many things. We get to have our intellect stimulated and we can learn so much. We get to experience trips of various kinds and vacations and camps. We get to experience a measure of of good health and strength and energy. Even though at times we may be sick or we have health problems, still we have a measure of strength and energy. We get to experience the benefits of exercise a lot of the time and feeling good. We get to experience sports. We get to play them. We get to watch them. We get to enjoy them. We get to experience the blessing of work. We get to accomplish something with our lives. We get to see the fruit of our labors. We get the satisfaction of making money, of providing for ourselves and others. We get to experience great food to eat. We get to experience entertainments of all kinds, great music to listen to, plays and movies and performances to watch. And the list goes on and on and on. Life in many ways is great. It's such a blessing. It's so enjoyable. Life can be a lot of fun. But then, but then we are confronted with a situation like the one we are facing here today. And that is death. Death. And death stares us straight in the face. And life comes to a screeching halt. And we are reminded that life isn't always enjoyable. Life is also filled with a lot of sorrow, with a lot of hardships, with a lot of trials, with a lot of tragedies, with a lot of pain. And we are confronted with the realization that our life will end, and it may be sooner than we hoped or realize. And I want you to know, dear friends, that God knows about all of this. And he cares. He is not up in heaven, aloof or unconcerned about what is going on in this earth, in your life and in my life. But rather, he is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And he provides redemption for those who will come to him. When God first created the world and Adam and Eve, he made them perfectly holy and perfectly happy. They knew no sorrow or grief or guilt or pain. They had perfect, intimate, and wonderful fellowship with God, their Creator. But when they sinned against God in the garden and fell from that estate in which they were created, they plunged not only themselves, but the whole entire human race into an estate of sin and misery and death. This is the reason 
that there is death. This is the reason there is death. It's sin. It may be this circumstance or that circumstance, but the ultimate reason is sin. And that is why Christ came. It was because of sin and death. What we are talking about right now, the reason we are gathered in this place today right now, this is the reason Christ came. This is why Christ came. Not another reason, this reason. This is what Christ is all about. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he came to bring it. He came to defeat death, to conquer it, to offer eternal life to all who will believe in Him. Do you believe that? I'm sure that many of you are familiar with the things that Jesus did while on this earth. He came doing much good. He came healing the sick, feeding the multitude, teaching the people sometimes just privately to his disciples, sometimes in the synagogue, sometimes outdoors, uh, on a mountainside or on a, from a boat. He preached to the people quite a bit. His life of, ministries in this, of ministry in this way it was constant. But there are just a few times, just a few times recorded for us in the Gospels where Jesus does something unique. And in those few instances, he really cries out, unto the people, to come unto Him. There's Jesus. He's not just teaching the people around Him, not just healing the sick, but He just belts it out. And He cries out to the people. And He pleads with them to believe in Him and to come to Him. And one of those instances is the passage I just read in Matthew 11. It is one of those intense moments where we really see the heart of Christ put on full display for us to view in a powerful way. And this passage is really tremendous because it reveals to us so much about Christ's own suffering and His humanity and about the burdens and the sorrows that He Himself had in this life. Remember that Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This characterized him. You know, and I'm not saying that Jesus never laughed, but we don't have any recording in the Gospels of Jesus laughing. And I don't think it's wrong to laugh, but isn't it significant that what we do see him as a man of sorrows and we see him weeping? We see him weeping over sin and death. As was mentioned just a moment ago, we saw him weeping at the death of Lazarus, weeping over death itself, the great enemy of the human race. But in this passage in particular, Jesus calls out to those who are weighed down, to those who are weary, to those who are burdened. The word that Jesus uses in this passage for labor when he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, can also be translated as to toil or to grow weary. And the word really means to feel worn out or depleted or exhausted. The same word is used in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus told the disciples to let down their net after a whole night of fishing in which they caught nothing. Luke 5.5 5 says... 
But Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And of course, we know the story. They let the net down and it's overflowing with fish. But Peter says, we've been toiling all night. I've worked a night shift before. It's not fun. That's hard work. But then to get nothing from your labor. That's what Peter was saying. We've been toiling all night and have gotten nothing. The same word is also used in John 4, 6, where we are told that Jesus was weary after making a long trek to uh, Samaria from Judea, which would have been many miles. And there it says, Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Jesus was God, but he was also true man, 100% man. And he understood what it meant to suffer in this life, to be weary. But then Jesus also in this passage refers to those who are heavy laden or burdened. The idea here is being, of being overloaded or weighed down. Interestingly, the word for burden is also used in reference to the cargo of a ship. The, the, the ship carries the burden of the cargo, as it were. The word is also used in Acts 27.10, where P, uh, Paul is being taken a prisoner basically to Rome, and it's stormy weather, and Paul says, it says this, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. And that word cargo is the same word that's in this text for burden, the cargo of the ship. And you know, isn't life so much like a ship carrying its cargo, carrying its burdens? And we can have so many burdens that we carry with us in this life, can't we? Just the burdens of life. And you know, one of the greatest burdens are the burdens of our past failures and sins. The burden of guilt. The burden of having done things wrong and wishing we could th have done things better or over. And we have a tendency to carry those burdens like the cargo of that ship throughout our lives. But you know what is perhaps the greatest burden of all? It's the really big question. What is my purpose here? What's it all about? What is going to happen to me when I die? Death is a great burden. Death is the greatest burden. And we feel that burden, don't we, today? But you see, Christ came to deliver us from these burdens. Now, that doesn't mean we don't feel them at all. But he takes the weight of them off of our shoulders and he puts them on himself and he carries the greatest burden for us. For those who will come to him, he carries the burden of sin and death. As Jesus says in this passage, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And the reason that they are lighter 
The reason that they are lighter for those who will come to him is because they were heavy for him. So heavy. Jesus knew all too well what it was like to be weary, to be weary of the weight of sin he was carrying. Jesus knew all too well what it meant to be burdened by death. He was so burdened by death that even before the hour had come for him to be crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says in Matthew that Jesus was exceedingly sorrowful and deeply distressed, and that he fell on his face and he cried out to his heavenly Father, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there is any other way, who can understand this? The eternal Son of God and the weight that he felt. Hebrews 5, 7 says of this event that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears. No one has ever been so burdened as Jesus. We know that it says that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. It's called hematidrosis. When the um, when, when you're sweating and it, you're under such intense pressure that you actually begin to sweat drops of blood. My dear friends, Christ knew what it was like to be burdened by death. And he knew what it was like to be burdened by death all alone. The disciples fled from him. The Father forsook him. He knows the pain. He knows the suffering. He knows what it is like to carry the burden of sin. He knows what it is like to carry the burden of death. And it is with this knowledge, it is with this understanding of his own burdens that Christ called unto the people to come unto him, to come to him as the only hope of salvation. Christ alone has the keys of death and of Hades, but you must come to him to get them. Christ bore the burden so that you wouldn't have to. Now, I don't know where many of you are in your relationship with God, but I urge with you, I urge you, and I plead with you to come to Christ. There is only one way to be saved from sin and death. It is by coming to Christ. You can't get to heaven by going to church. You can't get there by being baptized. You can't get there by being a church member. You can't get there by having Christian parents or Christians in your family. You can't get there by believing all the right things. You can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that the Bible is the Word of God, that Jesus died for sinners on the cross. You can believe all the right things, but none of that will save you. You must come to Him personally and say, Lord, be for me all that you say that you are in Scripture. Have you done that? Have you come to Christ? If, if you haven't, then Christ calls out to you today, just as he did 2,000 years ago. He sends me as his ambassador to speak to you and says, Come unto me, come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you will know the resurrection power of Christ on the final day. Let's pray together. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the word that you have brought to us this morning. We ask, O Lord God, that you would be pleased to work in our hearts. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort us, that you would give us hope and peace, that you would strengthen us. Oh God, we pray that you would be with us. And as has already been said, what, what the angels will rejoice in heaven over one sinner who repents. Lord, we pray, have mercy upon us and pour out your spirit upon us and draw us to yourself that Christ might be exalted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We will conclude our service uh, by singing Psalm 23 in the Blue Psalters. Um, we're going to share. We're going to turn to Psalm 23b. It's not the Methodist hymnal, but it'll say the book of Psalms for worship on the front. And I believe we're going to be singing this a cappella. Uh, some of you may know this uh, psalm by heart. Psalm 23b. And let's uh, stand together to sing. I'll line out the tune for us. Da, 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 the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again, and me to walk doth make within the paths of righteousness, even for his own name's sake. Yea, though I walk in death's dark veil, yet will I fear no will, for Thou art with me and Thy rod and staff me comfort still. A table thou hast furnished me in presence of my foes. My head thou dost with oil anoint and my cup overflows. Goodness and mercy 
mercy all my life shall surely follow me and in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. This concludes our service. Thank you so much for coming. As I said before, there's a reception following it. The address is on the front of your bulletins at the Old Messonette Lodge. Thank you so much for coming.